O Lord, open my lips. And my mouth will declare your praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy. Enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man. Scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusted in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth. And from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near. And there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me. They open wide their mouths at me. Like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword. My precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. 
The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. For kingship belongs to the Lord. And he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. There were also two criminals led with Jesus to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots, And the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Only the evangelist St. Luke records these words. Who were among those included in Jesus' prayer? Luke does record how Pilate involved Herod Antipas, the Galilean king, in deciding Jesus' case. Luke records that it was the Sanhedrin, the chief priests, the elders, and the whole multitude of the people who brought Jesus to Pilate. Luke records that Pilate gave in to the demands of the entire mob to sentence Jesus to death. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record that Simon the Cyrenian was forced against his will to carry the cross of Jesus. He was crucified in the middle of criminals by Roman soldiers. And Luke alone records the daughters of Jerusalem weeping at the sight of Jesus, but without contrition and repentance or faith in him as their savior. 
Who were among those included in Jesus' prayer? We all were. Every sinner was there. Every sinner was included. Every human being who has ever lived or who ever would live. Every race of Adam's descendants was included. Every despairing sinner was included. Every person who believes their sins are too great to be forgiven was included. Every righteous Pharisee, self-righteous one, like Saul of Tarsus, was included. Jesus' prayer is not only an intercession before God the Father to receive his sacrifice on behalf of the world's sins, but it is also a call to us to trust him as our Savior. Perhaps this is why Luke included this word from Jesus found nowhere else in the Gospels. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Luke became associated with Saul, the Pharisee who became the Apostle Paul. Luke's Gospel was written for the congregation formed under Paul's ministry. There can be little doubt that the gospel of God's free grace in Christ, apart from the works of the law, are finally what converted Saul of Tarsus to faith in Christ. And there can be little doubt that he who once persecuted the church in the ignorance of his unbelief and self-righteous hardness of heart would find in Jesus' words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, eternal comfort and peace. And it is the same for us.
And an inscription also was written over Jesus in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks Thanks be to God. Once again, only Luke records this dialogue between Jesus and the penitent thief. Matthew and Mark, on the other hand, both record that the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him. Could it be that this penitent thief had only moments earlier hurled insults at Jesus? Indeed, the testimony of the evangelists does not lie. Every penitent sinner was first an impenitent before the miracle of contrition and repentance. Here again, Luke's association with the Apostle Paul seems to highlight an aspect of Jesus' ministry that Paul would find most comforting whenever he was haunted in his conscience by the sins of his past. Paul had hated the name of Jesus. He had hurled his own insults at Jesus for the teachings of the gospel that a sinner is justified by faith alone and not by the works of the law. Now Paul would find himself needing to rely upon the grace of God that he had once rejected for his own comfort. The words of Jesus to the penitent thief today You will be with me in paradise. Sound the sweetest absolution for those who know they have no hope of salvation apart from Christ.
Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour that disciple took her to his own home. O Lord, have mercy upon us. The evangelist John structures his gospel narrative around the book of Genesis. John chapter 1 begins like Genesis chapter 1. Genesis, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. John, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. All things were made through him, and the word became flesh. This interplay in John's gospel with the book of Genesis continues in John's eyewitness report of our Lord's passion. As Eve was formed from Adam's side, so the church was formed from the blood and water that flowed from Jesus' side. We shall hear that later today. John testifies that he is telling the truth so that we might believe Jesus is the second Adam, the bridegroom of his bride, the church, the true high priest and the very sacrifice for sin that made atonement. John clearly holds up Jesus as the second Adam from the miracle of the changing of water into wine at the wedding in Cana of Galilee in John 2 to Jesus leaving his mother to be joined to his wife in the passion. The words of Genesis 2 are fulfilled. A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And so Jesus appoints John to care for his mother as Jesus is joined to his bride, the church, in the marriage of the cross. What Adam said of Eve in the short-lived marriage in the Garden of Eden is finally fulfilled in Christ's sacrifice of eternal love for his church. She is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Yes, that is who we are taken out of the man, Christ Jesus. We are bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. We are called the body of Christ precisely because we are members of his bride, the church, and Jesus is the savior of the body. As Mary was called by Jesus to look to John, the apostolic witness to the death and resurrection of Christ for her life, so the church is called to look to the apostolic scriptures for our life. This is where the church finds her home in the faithful witness of those men who were with Jesus and who, like John, faithfully testified of him 
so that we might believe. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there, when they heard that, said, this man is calling for Elijah immediately. One of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed, and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. O Lord, have mercy upon us. The evangelist Matthew records Jesus' fourth word from the cross. St. Mark does as well. This word, contrary to the opinion of some, is not the cry of despair. It is rather the evidence that Jesus really did suffer separation from God and the abandonment that we deserve when he died upon the cross. These words express the enormity of the world's sin and its consequences. Jesus bore it all for the world's salvation. Those who have difficulty believing in the wrath of God also have difficulty believing that the heart of the gospel is the forgiveness of sins for Jesus' sake. Forgiveness of all sin is the result of Jesus' sacrifice. Because where there's forgiveness, there is life and salvation. This is why Jesus said, 
This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Only the God who is love could endure such suffering. That some of those standing by the foot of the cross thought that Jesus was calling for Elijah may not have been as mistaken as we might think. Elijah means Yahweh is God. The great I am is God. The Lord is God. When Jesus cried out, Eli, Eli, he was confessing that there is only one true God and that he trusted in him, even though he was experiencing complete and utter abandonment. What a mystery. How could Jesus continue to trust in his Father under the weight of such a burden? But he did. This is precisely the prayer of Psalm 22. You made me trust when I was on my mother's breasts. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. The Lord God did rescue Jesus from death by raising him from the dead. And because he lives, we shall live also. Because he suffered such hell, we never will. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. 
water. Without water, we die. What is happening when Jesus cries out, I thirst? Is it not that his life is completely poured out unto death? As Psalm 22 says, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it has melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. There is no life in dust, waterless earth. This is why God breathed life, water, and breath into the dust that was Adam, and he became a living being. What a mystery. He who is life poured out his life that we who are of the dust might drink of his life and live. This is what John records for us in Jesus' words to the Samaritan woman at the well. If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. Whoever drinks of the water I shall give him will never thirst. It is as if Jesus were saying to her, he who drinks of me will never die.
So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Here again, John records words that remind us of Genesis. Creation and salvation are linked together. How often this is prayed in the liturgy of the church. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. At creation, God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day God rested from all his work which he had done. The last thing that God did on that Friday of creation was to create man in his own image and likeness. The last thing God did on that Good Friday in 33 AD was to redeem mankind from the fall into sin and give us rest in a Sabbath that would never end. It is finished, means that all has been accomplished. The scriptures have been fulfilled. All sin has been atoned for. There is nothing left undone. Jesus accomplished everything for you, for your salvation. It is finished. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, writes St. Paul. It is finished. Salvation is complete. Forgiveness is free. What Jesus said to Nicodemus at the beginning of John's gospel is now assured. For God so loved the world that he created, that he gave his only begotten son to redeem it, that whoever believes in him who suffered and paid the ultimate price and finished the work of salvation should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Condemnation fell upon Jesus. There is, therefore, now no condemnation for you. For God has taken it all away in Christ. It is finished. Thanks be to God.
Then the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. So when the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. And the whole crowd who came together to that sight, seeing what had been done, beat their breasts and returned. But all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. It ought not to be surprising that when the Lord died, the creation itself was shaken. For the creation has her life in him. The sun was darkened. The veil of the temple was torn in two. The temple of stone would no longer be the place of salvation. Jesus' flesh is the new temple and the only source of the gift of the Holy Spirit. God the Father saved us, St. Paul writes, through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom God the Father poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. So the Spirit was breathed forth from God the Father through the Son into the dust of Adam at creation. So the Spirit is poured out through the Son in our baptism to wash us clean and to give us new life in Christ. As the Spirit descended upon Jesus at his baptism, so Jesus hands over the Spirit to the Father as he breathes his last. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. In his appearance in the upper room on Easter evening, Jesus would continue to do for them what he still does for us today. He breathed on his disciples by a word and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. Wherever Jesus is, there is the Holy Spirit sent forth from the Father through the Son to give life and salvation to the world. He who hears you hears me, Jesus said, and he who hears me hears him who sent me and receives the gift of the Spirit, who is the Lord and giver of life. As the Holy Spirit comforted and strengthened Jesus to be faithful unto death for us, so Jesus gives us his Holy Spirit so that we are preserved steadfast in Christ. As the psalmist prayed, you are my strength. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. I will be glad 
and rejoice in your salvation. We have an advocate with the Father. Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. He was delivered unto death. He was delivered for the sins of the people. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is put away. We have an advocate with the Father. Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. He was delivered up to death. He was delivered for the sins of the people.
Lord, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, graciously behold this your family, for whom our Lord Jesus Christ was willing to be betrayed and delivered into the hands of sinful men to suffer death upon the cross. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Merciful God, graciously take into your fatherly care the sick and needy, those who are widowed and orphaned, the homeless and homebound, the lonely and forgotten, and all who are in any trouble, temptation, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity. Especially Gabby Hartwig, hospitalized at Children's Hospital. Carol Bender, recovering from a fall. John Bruss, recuperating from shoulder replacement surgery. Kurt Runau, hospitalized after heart bypass surgery with blood clots and infection. Deacon Gatchel, recuperating from sinus surgery. Jeremy Lafour and his family as he battles ALS. Reverend Timothy Kinney, undergoing treatment for multiple myeloma. Erwin Cabrera, son-in-law of Carol Bender, receiving treatment for bladder cancer. Tom Brass, friend of Bob and Jerry Zaretsky, in treatment for cancer. Dwayne Bira, brother-in-law of Dave Allman, in treatment for cancer. Tom Pinzel, Jim Nietzsche, Brian Neonaber, Jill Franklin, Allison Witte, and Roger Laubenstein in treatment for cancer. Comfort them, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may patiently endure their afflictions and acknowledge them as a manifestation of your fatherly will. Preserve them from faint-heartedness and despondency and help them to seek you, the great physician of their souls. If any pass through the valley of the shadow of death, do not allow them in the last hour for any pain or fear of death to fall away from you. But let your everlasting arms be underneath them and grant them a peaceful departure and a joyful entrance into your eternal kingdom in the resurrection of all flesh. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 
Almighty God grant integrity and well-being to all who are in authority in our nation and this community. Grant them grace and wisdom to rule according to your good pleasure, to the maintenance of justice and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead quiet and peaceable lives in all godliness and honesty. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, you will that your Son should bear for us the pains of the cross, and so remove from us the power of the adversary. Help us to remember and give thanks for our Lord's passion, that we may receive forgiveness of sin and redemption from everlasting death, through Jesus Christ our Lord. 